to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 162nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship on Sunday up here in Massachusetts when I had the good fortune to be... uh, on the 15th green and the 16th tee, a par three, when Rory McIlroy made uh, basically the two top shots of the tournament. Uh, perfect timing. Decided to take a walk over from the media center and catch up with Rory on the 15th, knowing that the 16th is always a keyhole, par three over the water. And no sooner did I arrive at the green and Rory took his shot and placed it uh, tap-in distance, a couple of inches away from the hole. It was a great moment. He, of course, tapped it in, walked right over the 16th tee. I was right there where he immediately launched a shot over the water that landed like the previous shot on the 15th. two, three inches from the hole, again, another tap in. And that capped off what for him was a fabulous round of six, seven under, put him in within one shot of the lead uh, by the end of the day, heading into the final round on Monday. So there was great excitement here on Sunday night leading into Monday that we were going to get to see a Rory run on the final day, which was Labor Day. And... He's very popular, as you would expect, here in Boston, given the Irish population. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. He just did not have uh, a Rory final day round like he's had in the last uh, number of weeks when he won uh, three out of four tournaments, and it was looking like he might win four out of five. But it just wasn't his day, and... uh, So that was just, again, uh, not what we were looking for up here in Boston. Everybody was really, really geared up. As a bonus, we had Keegan Bradley, local boy from nearby Hopkinton, Massachusetts, uh, in the hunt on the final day, within a few strokes of the lead, but uh, he never made a charge either, and had he done that, uh, the place would have been going crazy. There's no other way to say it. As it is, the Boston golf crowd for the Deutsche Bank Championship every Labor Day weekend is uh, one of the most boisterous in all of golf. 
And uh, so Rory or Keegan would have really elevated uh, the tournament beyond what it was, which was a great tournament. I basically spent just about every waking minute there all week long, including the practice rounds, the Pro-Am, which was last Thursday, great event as I articulated on last Friday's show. And uh, so just a tremendous week, tremendous championship. Uh, the ending, again, not the drama that we've had in past years. It was set up, actually, where Chris Kirk had a one-shot lead and Billy Horschel was one shot behind him. Come up on the 18th hole and he needed a birdie to, to tie, potentially tie, send it into a sudden death. And unbelievably, he shanked it, hit it right into the weeds that are in front of the 18th green. And that was it. End of tournament. No other way to say it. Chris Kirk did win, of course. Gracious winner. Very likable. Certainly said all the right things in his news conference and on the 18th green and the trophy presentation. Uh, you know, very, very, very likable guy. And uh, even by winning, he did not make uh, the Ryder Cup team, which he seemed to be right on the bubble with that victory. But uh, then they announced it the next night from uh, Rockefeller Center in New York. And Tom Watson uh, ended up not choosing Chris Kirk, but did talk about conversation he had with him that morning, which, of course, was the day after he won the tournament. Excuse me, this was all on Tuesday. Uh, the holiday uh, makes the schedule a little, little tricky. Um, with it being the only tournament of the year in the PGA that ends on a Monday. All in all, it was a great event, as it always is. Great crowds and great, great weather as good a perfect, picture-perfect last week of summer that you could possibly wish for here in New England. Uh, it was just absolutely spectacular. So again... Uh, there's always large crowds no matter what the weather, but I think there was even larger than normal because of the weather. So my low light of the week was, as I was watching the Seattle Seahawks pull away last night on TV from the Green Bay Packers in the much-awaited, long-anticipated NFL season opener, uh, I started switching channels when Seattle scored that uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter to put the game away. Went over to the U.S. Open tennis match for the first time and switched over to good time because Gail Monfitz just had two match points against Roger Federer. It looked like Federer's uh, magical run through this tournament was about to come to an end. But he's Roger Federer, and he... Staved off the two match points. And then, and this is my low light, Monfils just crumbled. I mean crumbled after he did not win the match on those two match points in the fourth set. And from there on in, uh, Federer just absolutely smoked him, including the fifth and deciding set. Remember, uh, Monfils was going for the victory in the fourth set. 
and he just completely basically gave up. I, I've hardly ever seen anything like it. The body language was just as bad as you would ever see on a tennis court or for that matter, just about any sporting event. And again, credit to Federer uh, for just, again, absolutely smoking him in the fifth set. Uh, to call it anticlimactic would be an understatement. Um, so, yeah, it was just uh, really uh, unusual to see a professional tennis player just, like, give up. Um, so uh, I'm glad I switched over, even though it takes a lot for me to switch over from an NFL football game, especially the season opener, but that was decided. And this was some pretty riveting stuff, especially uh, in the fourth set when it looked like Federer was about to go down. My bizarre story of the week was UConn women's basketball coach Gino Ariema being found guilty of an NCAA violation for calling on the phone the famous, now famous little leaguer, Monet Davis from Philadelphia, who basically captured the nation uh, as a girl pitcher. Uh, I think we can... Uh, retire the phrase throws like a girl because after watching her performance, I don't think we're, uh, there's any need for that term anymore. Uh, but she said for everyone to hear early on that, you know, she hoped to be a point guard for UConn someday. The minute I heard it, I said, well, he, she, you know, she and Gino should talk. I mean, that's just a natural reaction. Who wouldn't think that? But, uh, Indeed, he did what I thought he should do, which was give her a call. And lo and behold, uh, apparently a, an opposing coach turned him in. And based on the story I read, it looks like he even checked with the UConn compliance officer who told him it would be okay to give her a call. They talked for two minutes. And then, uh, lo and, again, it appears that a rival coach turned him in, alerted the NCAA to this, and they have uh, found him in violation. And uh, so, bizarre, to say the least. Uh, couldn't believe that one. So, with that said, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, doing great, John. Nice, bright, sunny day here in Connecticut. It is, boy. We've had a nice stretch here in New England. I was just talking about it with the beautiful weather for the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship. And lucky for us, it's continued here into the first week of September. So uh, we treasure it because we know it might not last too too long. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the thing about September. Uh, You're not sure, uh, you know, October. Hopefully hopefully you're enjoying the good weather in September and you know October is up in the air. Absolutely. Uh, But... Speaking of weather, football weather is in the air. It's getting a little chillier at nights, despite the 80-degree days. And uh, the NFL officially kicked off last night. Uh, impressive performance by the Seahawks, which I love because I'm a big Pete Carroll fan because he lived in the little town I live in of Medfield, Massachusetts, just outside Boston. So I've interviewed Pete, talked to him a few times, and I'm loving his success. And frankly you got to hand it to him. Uh, whatever he's doing out there, especially at home games, is working because, frankly, they look unbeatable at home. Uh, I know they lost the game at the end of last year against the Cardinals, but that said, it was meaningless. And, uh, boy, he just gets them revved up to a, se- a fever pitch, you know, and it seems like he brings the fans right along with him. It's, it's awesome to watch. Yeah, John, the, the maxim's always been that the team is going to follow the personality of the coach. And Pete Carroll, he's a demonstrative person on the sideline, and he has his teams playing at a high level, uh, especially in Seattle. And that crowd, it, it's like an earthquake out there in the, in the Northwest when they start making noise and cheering on their team. And 
you know, they've got good players and they come downhill at you with that running game. And it, it's tough to stop them. You know, it really is. And, uh, you know, a couple take-homes from last night. My big take-home far and away was just Percy Harvin. I mean, we all remember him at Florida. <laughs> yeah. We all remembered the flashes he showed with the Vikings. Serious, serious talent. And we all remember what he did in the Super Bowl last year uh, when he was, uh, you know, a game-changer after basically being injured most of last year, if not all of it, and often during his Vikings career. But all of a sudden, it looks like Pete, uh, number one, he looks healthy. Number two, it looks like Pete is ready to use him in every way imaginable. Running back, returner, all types of different pass patterns. Uh, what a weapon. He may be right now, you know, after only seeing one game, he looks like, you know, the best weapon in the NFL suddenly. John, I couldn't disagree with that. Any, anything that you said, I mean, they run that jet play coming across, and, you know, you're so worried about Lynch running up the middle on you, it's hard to cover both the, the, the inside and the outside. So if your quarterback guesses right or they call the right play, somebody's making some yards. And last night they both had a, uh, terrific evenings. Yes, yes. You know, and, of course, we all think about the Seattle defense. I mean, Richard Sherman. You know, just zeros across the board. Aaron Rodgers did not throw one pass his way. And that cuts off literally half of the field. So, you know, <laughs> when, when you're playing, when you, even if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're only playing with half a field, that obviously uh, restricts you. And the guy on the other side ended up with an interception. So, you know, where do you go from there? But yet, you know, even with that defense, uh, you know, I came away again. Another take-home was just the Seattle offense, and you touched on it with Marshawn Lynch, now Harvin, of course, Russell Wilson. They look unstoppable. Yeah, they have quite a few weapons. And, John, I'm, I don't know if you recognize that little play when R Russell Wilson went to the left and kind of just basketball lobbed it to the receiver for that 33-yard touchdown play. It looked familiar to you. It looked quite familiar to me. Play, play of the game. <laughs> in my mind, and there was a couple of great plays, but that was like the signature play because, you know, that's it's plays like that where I say they look unstoppable, which is exactly what we're talking about. You're, you're using Lynch and Percy as decoys. Right, right. And uh, I guess it was confirmed after the game, John, they borrowed that from the Auburn offensive playbook. Is that right? <laughs> that so it was like that, a, it was uh, his own read, so to speak. It was yeah, a college. That, yeah, that was the play that uh, when the game was winding down last year, that um, Auburn used to tie the game with about forty seconds to go. And Alabama, the quarterback or Alabama rolled to Georgia. the left, and the Alabama defense came up to tackle him, and he just lobbed it over their heads. The guy ran about forty yards. That's right, of course, yes. And the announcer last night, to his credit referenced it, I think it was Chris Collingsworth, said immediately uh, when that play happened, uh, you know, a throwback to the Auburn play. So <laughs> yeah. good for him. That's, uh, that, that's why he's, you know, one of the best announcers around because he picked up on that immediately, as you did. So, And, and, and he borrowed that play, which, is, you know, that's, that's smart coaching. Absolutely. You know, well, you, you know, know, Pete Carroll, he knows his way around the uh, – the college game, shall we say, and, you know, he's brought a lot with him, you know, both the play calling as well as, you know, 
it's the enthusiasm. It's just infectious. Um, you know, again, I'm big fan of Pete's, and I just love seeing his success, especially because, you know, it didn't work out. It's really his third chance in the NFL. He coached the Jets, the Patriots. Neither ended well. And uh, now to see this, you know, new confident Pete literally carrying a city on his back, a region, uh, you know, he's like the Pied Piper. It's, it's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, and he's a charismatic figure and, yes. and a, a good coach, and, and he knows how to uh, rally a defense right away. I mean, that's his forte as a, as a sideline coach, and he seems to have that off, offense clicking. So, you know, he's an all-around all uh, good addition to Seattle. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, and, and that was their second time there. You know, the, Pete wasn't there the first time, but 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 he's got that city, you know, doing wonders with it. It's magical up there now. Absolutely, no, they're they're the uh, you know they're the kings of the football world right now, and boy, based on what I saw, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. And clearly, I mean, and I've been to a few of those banner raising opening games here at Gillette Stadium. There's nothing like them. And, you know, last night was even a step beyond that because it is Seattle. It is the 12th man. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's uh, so fun to watch. It really is. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, quite a franchise. But what the thing that Pete, based on last night, and we'll see if it continues, is, you know, he seems to have that team hungry, hungrier than they were last year. And that is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, and John, when you open up a game uh, uh, against arguably maybe the best quarterback in the league, and you hold that offense under 300 yards, that's superb uh, defensive effort. It is, it is, and it was kind of funny in that uh, I finally put my toe in the water for fantasy football <laughs> in my first ever league, and lo and behold, who did I end up with as my quarterback, but probably the one single guy that I, you know, the guy that most people want, uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I was pretty excited <laughs> yeah, yeah. as uh, as I learn it, and it, it obviously didn't pan out last night. Uh, no, you, but you know, for my first ever fantasy, watching a game as a fantasy player, <laughs> and uh, but I got the feeling it'll improve. I, I hope so. I mean, oh no, no. Packers have to be licking their wounds a little bit. You know, today they were pretty well dominated. And although Rodgers did drive him down the field, uh, you know, and that's why I keep focusing on the offense. I mean, Rodgers took him down the field when he needed to, to keep it competitive late in the third, early in the fourth. But then, you know, Seattle just moved right down the field with the benefit of a big, big holding call. And, and that was that, you know, it was just over. Um, so... I don't know that you can, again, Aaron Rodgers did show some Aaron Rodgers flashes at the key moment of the game, but then his defense couldn't hold. No, no, but I think you made a good choice, John. It'll, it'll pan out in the end with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's uh, on the short list of the elite, and uh, I got the feeling that short list, if it hasn't already, is about to get a new member in Russell Wilson. He is special, obviously. Yeah, some guys, John, uh, they're just good football players. You, you don't have to measure them. You don't have to uh, 
you know, test their speed. You can just watch them play all day, and it's one play after another. They're making it happen, executing in, in, in the clutch situations. And, you know, that's the value of um, watching someone in person over a, a length of time. You know, if they're always making plays, that, that counts uh, large in my book. Yeah, we all know he's slightly undersized, uh, but he has the rocket arm. Uh, everybody's familiar with his baseball background. Basically, he was drafted by the major leagues. And then, uh, but what I found fascinating last night was two things. Number one, his just running ability, his ability to just you know move in short spaces, and number two, just to his his personality. He seems to have more confidence based on all the interviews I saw, pregame, postgame, all of it. He is clearly in charge. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Exactly. He, I mean, right. he, he can go out there each and every game and say, you know, I've won the, the big game of my career and I can do it again. And I don't have to hold my head, uh, you know, down as far as these other quarterbacks. You know, I, I beat maybe one of the greatest of all time in Peyton Manning. There you go. That says it all right there. You know, I mean, it wasn't like they had some quarterback that was his first time in the Super Bowl or, you know, maybe had played just in the last five years. I mean, this is Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greats, and he beat him up. He sure did. No doubt about it. Uh, well, we're underway, AP. It's going to be a fun year. I cannot wait for a full slate of NFL games this Sunday. Uh you know, it's finally here. It just seems interminable. But we got, you know, certainly the appetizer for that last weekend with the opening of college football season. Uh, a lot of good games, a lot of good games coming up this weekend. So uh, we have a lot to talk about on the college front, and we're going to do exactly that after this break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. We're Samarica listeners. Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, college football started last weekend. You were at a game, the BYU-UConn game. So uh, why don't we kick off this segment to get, uh, get your thoughts on attending a game on the opening weekend of college football. Yeah, right away, uh, John, when I up in the press box, I try to find out how many scouts are there, and there must have been seven or eight. And I, I believe that the reason they were in attendance was to look at that BYU quarterback, uh, Taysom Hill. He, he's about six foot two, close to 230, can run, uh, run with the football, pass on the run. He's very athletic. He's a good looking quarterback. I, I expect him to to be in the pros and have a nice career. But uh, BYU, they were, you know, pretty powerful offensively in Connecticut. Uh, started the game, BYU drove the field, put seven on the board, and then the first offensive play for Connecticut, they fumbled on the running play, and BYU got the ball back. Um, and Connecticut had a good return on the kickoff, but there was a penalty, so it pushed them way back and throwing territory. So it is 14 nothing before you can blink an eye. Yep, I was watching, and, you know, not the way we want to start the season, let alone the coaching career of uh, the U- new UConn coach, Bob Diaco, uh, who I noticed uh, the quarterback apparently got hurt. So he's not going to be playing in, uh, you know, in this week's game. Right, yeah, sure did. So that that's a, you know, that, that puts him shorthanded because they'll have to um, uh, st- start one quarterback and the, the backup quarterback, they wanted to redshirt Tim Boyle. So that, that's not a good situation. So you're hoping that uh, the quarterback they're going to start will finish the game and won't have to take the redshirt off Tim Boyle. Yeah, well, fortunately for them, they're playing Stony Brook. But unfortunately for them, uh, a week from tomorrow, they're playing Boise State. So, uh, you know, hopefully the quarterback will be back in time for that. And, uh you know, it's nice to see UConn uh, hosting some pretty big names to, uh, to start the season. Uh, Brigham Young and Boise State, two quality programs, to put it mildly. Yeah, they, they have a chance to to uh, make a name for themselves. I think the main thing with UConn football that I've noticed in the last few years is, um, you know, defensively they have to get back to where they were uh, about three or four years ago, uh, you know, challenging people on the edge and, and being tough to run against. And then the second thing is they continually have turnovers. John, yes. It's very very difficult to win a game when your talent level is um, not at its peak and you're giving the ball to the other team. It, it makes it extremely hard on the, the, the defense and the, um, the offense just has to execute the plays. And if, if you can do anything, you know, punt the football instead of giving up interceptions and fumbles. Yeah, well, you and I have both been impressed with the new coach. I think he's going to get him there. 
uh, Bob Diaco. He's got an infectious enthusiasm, to put it mildly, a totally charismatic personality. And, uh, you know, they've got a nice foundation. You and I were at the UConn-Michigan game last year. That was an event by any standard. Um, and now they start off this season hosting, bringing into Hartford, you know, uh, Brigham Young and Boise State. So there's a lot to work with there. And, you know, I, for one, believe that Bob Diaco is going to get them there. It's the only a question of how long, it's, how long is it going to take. Yeah, he has a recruiting strategy that he's looking at developing players that are long and angular, you know, recruiting guys with length, and uh, that's his philosophy, which is good. You know, be athletic guys that can run, and maybe they have to put on some pounds. Maybe they have to learn the position a little bit better so that, you know, he has a plan. How long will it take to uh, get that into place is anybody's guess. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. So, from hearing you correctly, uh, so like Chandler Jones of the Patriots, that type of body, so to speak. Right, right. He's looking right. for guys with a, at a certain height and a certain length, and uh, you know, I think that's smart to just try to reach for, for for a certain type of player. Try to get these critical factors in your recruiting uh, with all your coaches. Make sure you know they emphasize. When they're out there looking at players, they have these these dimensions, these heights, these weights, and uh, stick to, stick to that plan. Yeah. Well, hey, first thing is to have a plan. So that's an interesting plan, and certainly that's the uh, direction that football is heading in these days. Is players like that? Uh, well, why don't we uh, go to another game right in your wheelhouse? Uh, Alabama, West Virginia. Um, good game. Uh, we talked about this last week, uh, so I got to ask you: Where exactly does the Alabama quarterback situation stand at this moment? Yeah, John, I, I was I was very surprised I'll that you were. Parker didn't get into the game. Let's say the second quarter, but I think maybe the rhythm of the game dictated that Blake Sims remain in there. He actually, John, uh, in his debut, set a record. Uh, for the uh, you know completion you know completions and the yardage, so he, he played a nice game. He was very effective. He's twenty twenty four uh, completions, thirty three attempts, two hundred fifty yards. He had the one interception, and then he also had the forty two yards rushing. So that's two hundred ninety two yards. That's a pretty good day for a uh, first time starting quarterback. You know, record setting day. But uh, but I was I was surprised that Jacob Coaster didn't get his chance and uh, the, the way it stands now I mean Nick Saban in his press conference this week made a point to emphasize the quarterback competition is still wide open and he's the one in charge he could have easily said you know Blake Sims won the job but he didn't so I, I believe the coaching staff thinks that Jacob Coach Coker can. Um, spread the field, and with his arm talent, uh, put more pressure on the defense down the field. So that's why I think they're, they're hoping that Jacob will get his chance, perform well on the field, and then Nick Saban could name him the starting quarterback because, you know, Blake's such a popular person in the locker room that you, I don't think you could just name Jacob right off the bat without seeing the performance on the field. 
And, and Jacob, uh, you know, talking to different people, he does have uh, some issues, you know, learning the offense, you know, getting up to speed. And one thing I learned about him as well is he has tremendous arm talent, but his his throwing ability is not in anticipating the passes, which all the top quarterbacks, they have poise, they have accuracy, and they're able to anticipate the throws. Yes, yes, well... I know he's, you know, been with the program a while, popular with his teammates. So, you know, I give credit, Saban a lot of credit for, you know, recognizing that. Um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but I guess having two quarterbacks is better than having no quarterbacks. So, uh, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, John, and it's really funny. I mean, Alabama won, you know, by 10 points. They were favored by 27. But here it is, John, in this day and age, in the first game right out of the box, they have over 500 yards total offense, which by any evaluation, is that's a good day. Absolutely. But, you know, 538 yards of total offense, uh, you know, and then there's 288 yards rushing. You have two people rush for 100 yards. Amari Cooper, the wide receiver, had 12 catches. And, you know, people are saying, well, what's wrong with Alabama? Well, right. the main thing is to win the game. So they accomplished that. That's the number one goal. Everything else is a distant second. I totally agree. And West Virginia is a quality program, period. You know, they're, you know, I was not surprised at all to see it competitive. They can, you know, they're going to hang with just about anybody in the country, including Alabama, certainly for a while. Again, quality program, and, you know, they're not just going to roll over. No, uh, by any means. No, I, I thought their quarterback played extremely well. I, I was Absolutely. really impressed with them. Clint Trickett, right? Yeah, they had Clint Trickett. I was really impressed with them, and and uh, he throws a nice pass, and they had some talented wide receivers, and you know their defense was going to be a little better because they were so injured last year. I think at one point eight eight defensive players were injured. So yeah, I think they're going to be much improved, uh, West Virginia. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Another game that caught my eye, I'm sure it caught yours, was, you know, the LSU-Wisconsin game. Interesting, last night I was talking to someone from Wisconsin uh, who, you know, just comes at it from the Wisconsin point of view, which was good for me to hear, which was, you know, big disappointment. I mean, Wisconsin dominated most of that game. I mean, they looked like there were points where you thought, well, they're going to win going away, and what's wrong with LSU? But... In the end, LSU does what LSU does, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know, talk about a quality program. Uh, they were very impressive, you know, in the fourth quarter. Uh, a lot of talent on the field for the Tigers, and, you know, that was a big victory. I mean, that, that, that's the kind of game that, you know, we're, we're going to be hearing about. That, that game is going to stick with those two programs as we roll into the first ever college football playoff. I yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, John, I'm, uh, people watching the game, they're ahead by 17 points. I'm thinking, well, LSU let the conference down, and uh, it's going to really create havoc down the road with this playoffs if they get beat by beat so badly by a Big Ten team. And sure enough, the Mad Hatter, he pulled one out again. And, you know, his teams, they, they're not afraid to play a tight game, and and, uh, yeah, that first half, they were getting pushed around by that big Wisconsin offensive line, and they got terrific running backs. But I, I, I wasn't 
I didn't have the confidence that LSU could come back and win. I really didn't. I don't know about you. I was watching that game. Oh, and not I at just, all. Well, LSU, over. Was, I think Wisconsin is going to put it on them. You know, even though their quarterback couldn't throw the ball, he he was you know running around doing some things effectively. But yeah, I thought LSU was doomed. Yeah, and what was interesting, you know, just the Wisconsin perspective was, you know, when I commented about how LSU just gets stronger as the game goes on, and you know. That type of thing, which they certainly exhibited, you know, my friend's perspective was, you know, well, that's what Wisconsin usually does. So just to hear that perspective, like Wisconsin typically, according to him, closes out games the way LSU indeed closed out Wisconsin. So it was just, uh, again, just a fascinating perspective since it's so easy to kind of, you know, focused on LSU and whatnot, and I, I you know, I, I don't see Wisconsin all that often that I know that, but anyway, another great game, really, you know, that I loved watching since I was just over there was the game from Dublin, Ireland, uh, Penn State, Central Florida. That was an awesome game and an awesome ending. Uh, I was thrilled to see Sam Fickens, who's had... <laughs> quite the career as a kicker for Penn State win the game at the buzzer. I thought, you know, on, 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 on no gimme of a kick. That was just great. And what I loved the most was uh, being able to wake up and watch a game at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Best of all. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often, does it, John? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And uh, yeah. it will happen again on October 26th when the NFL game from London is on Eastern time zone at 9.30 in the morning, I believe. But that aside, the, uh, you know, it was a great game. You know, the, the Penn State uh, new coach, James Franklin, was animated, to say the least. There was some, you know, crazy plays. Christian Hackenberg, you know, a lot of good things, a few bad things. But he, he is a terrific quarterback, in the, you know, in a broad sense. And Central Florida, you know, Blake Bortles may be gone, but they're clearly a quality team as well. Yeah, they got some excellent athletes. And uh, George O'Leary's built a great program down there. You don't want to schedule that team too often if you're looking for an easy victory. Exactly, exactly. Those days are over in Central Florida. They're no longer the homecoming team. Yeah, it was interesting at halftime to see, uh, you know, the... Central Florida Athletic Director interviewed on national TV, live from Dublin, Todd Stansberry. You and I spent some time talking with him at the uh, uh, American Athletic Conference Football Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, about six weeks ago. And yeah, it was just great to hear, uh, you know, to hear Todd talk. And you know, I, I, I thought it was a great matchup. We also, of course, that same evening in. Newport talk with George O'Leary. So, fun game to watch, you know. And again, just to, just to show, I mean, uh, I was texting with somebody, and what I said uh, as soon as the game ended was, uh, we just saw the game of the day, and it's not even noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that was a great, fantastic ending, you know, right down to the wire. And it was. In a field goal, in a field goal kicker, uh, it's the winning points in a soccer-dominated country. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, no, it was just, again, you know, 
Central Florida didn't do a whole lot on offense. They brought this kid in off the bench as the quarterback, and he just lit it up, including taking him right down the field with, like, you know, scoring what appeared to be the winning touchdown with around a minute to go. Penn State generally mismanaged the clock, and the announcers were all over it. Um, but, you know, they pulled it out in the end. Uh, so, I don't, you can't ask for a better ending. And again, just for, you know, Sam Ficken, just the storybook ending for a kid who, uh, as we may remember, a couple years ago, missed a couple of chip shots, I believe, two weeks in a row, both costing Penn State and Bill O'Brien victories and, you know, O'Brien's first year. Uh, so, it's just nice to see this kid get off on the right foot. When he came out on the field earlier in the game, I, I, I like shook my head and just thought, oh, he's still the kicker. <laughs> you know, and I shouldn't be critical, but I'm giving him a lot of praise too. So uh, I, I don't think I was alone in that sentiment. He, it feels like he's been around for a while. Right, right. And uh, you weren't sure what the outcome might be, but he, he, he's on top now. He is on top and, and good for him. So, um, well, I think we've covered the highlights of this past weekend. We have some big games coming up this weekend, so we'll take a break, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the great matchups on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is, of course, NFL and college football, particularly the Browns at Steelers game. We'll see if Johnny Bench comes off the bench and gets some 
uh, time on the field. I believe he will. He will be on the field, as and the Steelers believe the same thing. But with that said, uh, some big college games tomorrow, and actually tonight. There's a good one starting right down the road from me here, where Pitt is coming in to play Boston College at seven o'clock tonight. So uh, always fun to see people from Pittsburgh, uh, where I grew up, here in the Boston area, and they're, and they're they're around. And Pitt had a nice opening game victory. BC beat UMass uh, in the bat- what's was called the Battle of the Bay State at Gillette Stadium. I was uh, over. I didn't go to the game, but I was uh, at the adjoining Patriot Place area while the game was going on, and it was really cool. You know, BCU Mass fans all over the place, thousands. Nice turnout. So, uh, so yeah, Pitt BC tonight kicks it off. Uh, quality game on ESPN, and then tomorrow there's a bunch of good matchups. Uh, my favorite, because I love intersectional matchups, is Michigan State at Oregon. Yeah, John, those two teams. Uh, it's the power of Michigan State and the roughhouse football that they present every week, and it's the speed of Oregon and their Heisman Trophy candidate, Marcus Mariota. So I think that's a game that everyone will be watching, and it, the big part of that uh, matchup is it's the Big Ten versus the Pac-12. Those are one of those games that down the road, it's, it, it's going to influence the decision of the playoff selection committee. Because it right, adds well, to the strength of schedule, and it, you know you'll help your conference if you win. You'll cast a slight doubt if you lose, especially if the score is big and you end up being one of the top teams in your conference. Exactly, exactly. And let's not forget when last seen, uh, Michigan State beat uh, ended Ohio State's twenty-four game winning streak. Uh, in the Big Ten Championship game, and then went out to the Rose Bowl and beat Stanford. So right now, you have to assume that Michigan State is a major player on the college football scene. So, uh, But we're going to find out a lot more about them tomorrow night, as well as we will about Oregon. Yeah, you know, Michigan State, they're playing with confidence, uh, John, but once again, you're going into one of those hotbeds of, of uh, the homestand Oregon, it's very loud there. It's not very big, but it's very loud, and they're rabid fans. Those teams, John, have only played four times in history. And the last time was uh, 1999 in East Lansing, Michigan State won. They're actually 2-2 in their their series. The first time they played was 1979 in East Lansing, and the 2-1-2 in the middle they played uh, at uh, Oregon. So it'll be interesting. You know, you rarely see those teams get together and... uh, they're, they're, they're both top teams in their conference. So, yeah, I can't wait to watch it and uh, see which, which team brings home the victory and, and, and carries the banner for their conference. Correct. And that was be, 1999 was before Oregon became the Oregon that we know today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Well, big week, weekend, I should say, for Northwestern football as in football in the Northwest United States. If, if, if I'm out there for that uh, Seahawks game last night, I'm sticking around to go to the Oregon game. That's for sure. <laughs> um, that's going to be great. Other good games, traditional great game to kick off you know, early in the season every year is, of course, Michigan-Notre Dame. It's always the second game of the year, but tomorrow is the final one. 
Uh, and can't wait to see how Notre Dame's going to play because uh, they, you know, they seem to have a chip on their shoulder. It's the perception seems to be that Michigan ended it, and lo and behold, what does uh, Notre Dame end up doing? But signing up to play Ohio State starting next year. There, uh, you know, albeit uh, appears to be like the replacement for Michigan. So <laughs> yeah. we have some teams feeling jilted here, and uh, I think it could make for a great game tomorrow. Yeah, John, it's amazing the timing of that announcement. Time, is, unbelievable. I mean, who could have planned that to make the, a little bit more of a grudge match than it already uh, stands right now? So uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a good ball game. It normally is. And, uh, you know, Michigan's got a new offensive coordinator, Doug Nussmeyer, who was at Alabama, and Notre Dame has a quarterback returning. So it'll be an interesting very interesting, and you know, and let, let me just say, no, it, it appears both sides seem to be acting as if the other one is the reason it ended. So I don't know who's right there. I know I kind of. <laughs> right. yeah. I, I just want to be clear, like you know, it, it's because it's unclear who actually ended it. Uh, another game. Speaking of you know, great you know, local rivalries. Uh, Southern Cal at Stanford. I mean, we all know that Southern Cal had the crazy, bizarre Josh Shaw incident, but they went out and looked awesome in their first game last week. And these days, Stanford to Stanford. So that that has potential to be a great game. And, that, and that's, you know, a serious rivalry. I mean, who, you know, we talked earlier about Pete Carroll, who can ever forget the Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Stanford. Southern Cal games and, you know, where Pete Carroll uttered what I consider one of the top lines in the history of sports when he went up to Jim Harbaugh after Harbaugh added a touchdown during a blowout. And when the game ended at the postgame handshake, Pete Carroll said, what's your deal? (laughs) I've always loved that line. (laughs) Just a classic, an all-time classic. I'm not alone. A lot of people love that line. So it's famous. (laughs) So I'm sure that what's your deal still resonates between those two schools. Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's some hard feelings right, right there. But uh, you know, Stanford had been on quite a roll beating Southern Cal there for a while. But uh, Southern Cal turned the tide last year. So, but this game here, it's, it's a home game for Stanford, and uh, I don't. I, I think Stanford might might uh, squeak out a win. Yeah, I tend to think so, too. I think USC was riding a wave of, you know, us against them emotion, given the Josh Shaw incident. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be a great game. Another, you know, interesting game is, uh, of course, Virginia Tech at Ohio State. You know, we talk quality programs. Uh, Certainly, Virginia Tech is one of those programs, obviously, like a West Virginia, you know. They're going up against, you know, a power in Ohio State. But, you know, you can never count out a team like Virginia Tech and Frank Beamer and, you know, the special teams guru. And uh, so that, you know, that game's worth watching. That's for sure. Yeah, Virginia Tech's usually a hard-nosed team, likes to run the football. And Ohio State, their their quarterback will have to perform in a, in a big-time game now. This is his first top opponent and he's, you know, second start this year. So, 
I would be worried if I was Ohio State by Virginia Tech coming to town. Absolutely. Well, AP, it's hard to believe, but we're at the end of another show. It goes quickly now that the season is underway, and uh, but it sure is fun. So once again, thank you for your great perspective and contributions, and uh, enjoyed it, as always. My pleasure, John. Look forward to it next week. All right. And thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 